0: Once upon a time, there was a lovely princess, but she had an enchantment upon her of a fearful sort, which could only be broken by love's first kiss. She was locked away in a castle, guarded by a terrible fire-breathing dragon. Many brave knights had attempted to free her from this dreadful prison, but none prevailed. She waited in the dragon's keep, in the highest room of the tallest tower for her true love and true love's first kiss. Like <laughs> yeah. that's ever gonna happen. Oh,
1: oh my gosh. Hi.
0: Look who it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are back. back Thank back. God.
0: Oh yeah. Uh,
1: for those of you who maybe did not See our social media posts. Elo and I just submitted earlier this week on Monday our masters dissertations for our history of art degrees at University College London.
0: Woo! Woo. Done.
1: Yeah, so that's why we have been MIA, but we did put up most of the episodes up on YouTube with accompanying images.
0: And I have to thank Megan for this. She's the technology whiz.
1: That was my form of procrastination, which is kind of sad, but oh well. Uh, there are so... worse ways
0: of procrastinate.
1: <laughs> so we have one more. I had to get the Hua Mulan one up, but then we will be caught up with that. So if you ever need like a reference or something. But this mm-hmm. week, we will be shocked if you do not know what we are mm. talking about.
0: Drum roll to d- d- no, 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 uh,
1: this week on Modern Medieval for episode 10, our first double digit episode. We are Woo! going to be talking about the wonderful, glorious Shrek. Shrek.
0: I remember I watched it. I think it when it did it come out when we were really small or like 2001. Kind of small?
1: So, you, so I
0: was six? 96.
1: You were like. Well, I was, so I'm 94. I was six slash seven.
0: I'm so smaller. God, I can't do math. Yeah, yeah. I (laughs) was
1: We were young. We were young.
0: (laughs) No, I was five. I was five. There we go. Okay, there you go. Um, And I remember being terrified by it, but now looking back on it, it was really funny. Really? You were terrified by it? I think I was afraid of the dragon, And it kind of caught me by surprise. And I was just like, oh my God, that's scary.
1: That's so funny too, because the dragon is like so unthreatening when you look back
0: at it in hindsight. (laughs) I just look at it now and think, oh, this is kind of really entertaining. Yeah. I remember when it came out, I
1: remember seeing it and, you know, of course, laughing at all the like fart jokes. And, you know, as we get older and Ello and I'll talk about this as this episode progresses, but There's a lot of adult humor, a lot of really smart humor in this, as well as, you know, very formulaic, kind of younger audience-targeted humor. It's kind of crazy to think. So this was 2001. This came out
0: at the same time as the first Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, really? I hadn't realized. I mean, admittedly, I haven't watched all of them. So, uh, You're gonna
1: have to this, this fall when we talk about that. <laughs> <it. laughs> um, but yeah, so it's just kind of interesting to think in regards to like time chronology because this mm. felt younger than that. And I was actually quite shocked that this was 2001. Looking at the animation, you can see that it compared to where we are now with CGI, it is dated, but it still holds up pretty well considering.
0: Yeah, I admit that in my mind because I rewatched, and I was like, "Oh, like you can definitely tell that it was done before, you know, technology got so good." Yeah, um, but in my mind, it was you know better defined. Oh, better like the the definition of everything, the, yeah, the definition okay. of everything, and I was just so of course kind of surprised to see that you no, know, it wasn't. So it's interesting how you remember these things, right? Like, yeah.
1: I guess the thing to me that ages it the most is the human faces because they're still kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and very, uh, like, big eyes that are feel separated from the face. But they're not horrifying, you know, like Sid in Toy Story, which was, what, 1994, 90-something? So anyways, we are <laughs> so excited to talk about Shrek for, you know, if you've heard of the meme struck his love and struck his life. <laughs> uh, that is definitely a PG13 plus rating meme. So if you're younger than that, we do not recommend. We do not want to taint your innocence.
0: <laughs> um, did you know that there was a guy who got um a job as a meme consultant? No. That sounds so 21st century. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I was just very surprised. I saw that on, uh, I think it was Lad Bible or something. So maybe it's not that true. But like, I saw that. I was like, uh huh.
1: Interesting.
0: <laughs> Random fact of the day.
1: Yeah, there you go. Learn something new. So <laughs> to start off with Shrek, I mean, there's been four films of it, lots of spinoffs of like Shrek the Halls, Scared Shrekless, and some other. Things. I mean, there's a Shrek fest that is bonkers. Like, people dress up like characters, usually Shrek. They have, like, an onion-eating contest. I mean, the dedication to Shrek. I mean, there's also been, like, Shrek weddings. Really? Which are, yeah, people look, they dress up like ogres. And, I mean, that's great dedication to it. But so Shrek has become such a cultural phenomenon. And I didn't really know this until I was doing, you know, Background research for the episode today, by which I mean looking at IMDb trivia and going onto Wikipedia because <laughs> the scholar that I am. And so Shrek is actually based off a children's book from 1990 called mm-hmm. Shrek with an exclamation point, uh, written by writer and cartoonist William Stagg. And that book was about a repugnant and monstrous green creature who leaves home to see the world and end up saving a princess. So, a Similar but different, um, but the name Shrek is a romanization of the Yiddish word Shrek and corresponds to the German Schreck, which is uh, S-C-H-R-E-C-K, and means fear or fright. Huh.
0: I did not know. I find it quite funny how you said Shrek three times. <laughs> Shrek,
1: Shrek, Shrek. Shrek, Shrek, Shrek. Shrek, Shrek, Shrek.
0: Um, you know, it's like, like that episode on Friends where um, Joey, Phoebe's trying to teach him French or something. He literally just watched that episode. Oh my God. And then he goes, and she says something like, Je m'appelle, whatever. Yeah. And he goes, duh, 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 duh. he's like, buh,
1: buh, buh, buh. <laughs> um, Oh. So, yeah, that's kind of a curious. Um, I didn't know that Shrek had, like, a linguistic root. And then furthermore, I found this in the trivia, but the character, the, I could, this could be wrong, so please don't like attack me if this is wrong. I'm going off of IMDb trivia. But it says, the character of Shrek is based on a figure in Russian folklore under the same name, dating as far back as 1200 Common Era. Huh.
0: So That'd be interesting to research, actually.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean... I guess I could see, I mean, he is like a monstrous figure. Mm. And so being part of some sort of folktale. Um, but I found that going back to 1200, I mean, that's quite a long time ago. So yeah, we'll have to do some more research on that and, um, you know, touch back up. So in the, the research I was doing, this is not related to anything whatsoever in regard to like history or medieval studies, whatever, but... For those of you who don't know, I am a huge Nicolas Cage fan. Huge. Love Nicolas uh-huh. Cage. I have a sequin pillow with his face on it. I quote him a lot. And so apparently, I don't know if Nicolas, this, uh, it says Nicolas Cage was initially offered the role of Shrek, but he turned it down as he did not want to look like an ugly ogre. In 2013, Cage admitted that he regrets the decision, explaining, Quote, when you're drawn in a way, it says more about how children are going to see you than anything else. And I care about that. End quote. But I don't know if this is like Nicolas Cage offer before Chris Farley came on. Um, He was originally going to be Shrek and he did a lot of recording for it and then tragically died from a drug overdose. And so there was debate over having like an impersonator come in and finish his lines. His brother thought about doing it for a while. And then that ended up being scrapped because they just didn't want to, like, dishonor Chris Farley, the great, you know, comedian. And so I don't know if Nicolas Cage was before or after that. But I just feel like any sort of relation of him to Shrek, even in this very, like, disconnected way, just makes it that much better. Because I love Nicolas Cage.
0: I didn't know anything about about this. I really liked um, the actor, the comedian. Chris Farley? Yeah, I thought you did a really good job. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Um, I always thought
1: that he died earlier in the 90s, but apparently, though Shrek did take about five years or six years to make, it took a really long time. So that's why it was able to reference films that like, were in production but hadn't been released. So the scene right. Fiona is fighting uh, Monsieur Hood, the Robin Hood character, and, you know, she freezes in the air and does her hair. That's a reference to The Matrix, which was released in 1999. Right. Um, but because this came out later, they were able to reference it because it wasn't a spoiler for something that
0: hadn't come out yet. Yeah. It had become a cult. Right. Um, so I just find that quite interesting. I, I actually had forgotten. I mean, I don't know if I'd forgotten or not, didn't know that Cameron Diaz was um, Fiona's voice.
1: Yeah uh, it's always interesting to me that like she
0: does the voice it just seems kind of like a random choice. Yeah she's so interesting though because I feel like you know you know her um, as the you know the action girl kind of thing and then like Mm -hmm. she's done quite a lot of rom-coms and then actually like now she lives this kind of like blasé cool chilled life and so it's interesting to see her associated with this as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it was during her kind of peak moment of doing the rom-coms and the action films. But yeah, it just seems like such an obscure choice. And then with the cast members, Mike Myers is Shrek, and then Eddie, uh, Murphy. Eddie Murphy is
0: Donkey. It's just a bizarre. Yeah, it's such cast. a strange cast. Also, like Eddie Murphy as the Donkey. I mean, he did. I think he makes the film really. No, definitely.
1: Uh, I think he got like numerous awards and accolades for his character. at being so good and I was reading in the trivia that he felt that if Eddie Murphy was like, yeah, if I were to like die while this movie was out, I think they would just put a picture of Donkey in the obituary rather than
0: me. <laughs> oh, Eddie Murphy. Is he what is he doing now? Do you know? Or because I don't really follow films and stuff.
1: Um I honestly can't say. I think he kind of stepped away from the lime Light, I mean, he did like daddy daycare, but that was in like the early 2000s to early 2010s, so not sure. Okay, well, I mean, same with Mike Myers. Mike Myers did you know the uh Austin Powers like Love Guru, and then he, aside from Shrek, I think he kind of stepped away as well, which is fine.
0: I mean, I mean, fair enough, you make a yeah. million, you can you know walk away,
1: yeah. <laughs> Wow, they just put Carly Clarks in my head. Walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, getting to like the the medieval in this, I mean, the movie is set in like a medieval aesthetic. Yeah. That's not hard to see. And so, with the armor that's used in the film by like the soldiers, Shrek wears armor briefly when they're in the uh, castle rescuing Fiona and everything apparently an armor expert was actually brought in to show the animators the different types of armor and to be not only inspiration, but for the animators to see how the armor moved. Mm. And I just think that's quite you know interesting as it was so early on in CGI that they were thinking of that. I guess it makes mm. sense because the animation was so rudimentary, but...
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like with these, you know, the final product seems like nothing... In comparison to the amount of work that, is, that has actually been put in, so it's really interesting. I also thought like it was quite cool how like it started with the manuscript,
1: mm-hmm. which is a the, definite... uh, toilet paper, which is kind yeah. of funny. <laughs> no, so with that, the um, director of Shrek or the creator, um, I believe it's Jeff Katzenberg. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, Jeff Katzenberg. He produced it, mm-hmm. but. He used to work at Disney and then left due to like different visions and everything. So that's part of the reason why there's just so many digs at Disney in this, the animosity. And so DreamWorks, who is the creator of Shrek, actually had like lawyers to make sure that they couldn't get sued or anything by Disney for what they make fun of. But yes, yeah, so I mean that opening scene with the the book and the telling of the story, and it's a medieval illuminated manuscript for those of you who don't know, done in a very kind of charactery way. But I mean, Sleeping Beauty is the first one that pops into mind, and we talked about that when Janina was on mm-hmm. with us. But yeah, then there's the whole pivot of he's just like, what a load of shite, <laughs> which is great. Uh. And then I really loved how they uh, played with Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty in the film, especially mirrors talking about the like maidens or princesses and (laughs) Sleeping Beauty – or not Sleeping Beauty, I'm sorry, she's not one of them, but uh, Snow White where he's like, she does live with seven men. And it's just like as an adult, that's so funny because it's so true.
0: Yeah. I also would have thought it was really funny how like, you know, the mirror – was like to um what's his name? Um the little guy. Oh, the prince.
1: Oh Lord Farquad.
0: Lord Farquad. It was like, yeah. So there's this candidate, candidate number two, candidate number three. And then like he describes them. And then like all of the guards are like, number two, number three. And he kind of goes into this existential crisis. <laughs> and that was just yeah. well, when, like a funny commodification of women. <laughs> yeah. Well it's such a like game show
1: host, you know, like blind date or whatnot. Which was funny. Also, in that the uh, the large like character that's in the executioner hood, when he's like number three, and then he puts his hands out and there are two. He has two, and then he kind of looks at his hand. <laughs> it's just funny, and it made me think of um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail and how King Arthur couldn't count.
0: <laughs> oh, I do relate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, same. But you heard us trying to do maths at the beginning of the episode. Yeah,
0: sorry about that.
1: It's, uh, both of us are struggling.
0: But uh,
1: that was funny. That character is quite um, humorous. The uh, executioner guy. I don't know if he has a name in this movie. I think in later ones he does. And it's something like... Oh, it's Thelonious. Speaking of like that character, talking about darkness in this movie, I had never really like clocked this until this time. I had like vaguely clocked it. But when Lord Farquaad is walking into the like torture chamber for the first time with gingy the gingerbread man uh Mm -hmm. is dipping gingy's head into a glass of milk that is yeah and there's a shadow of him dumping him that is torture that is milk boarding and i always kind of like but i never put the two together like this is some dark shit like yeah it is
0: Also, I mean, if you're like, you know, they're playing the game of like, well, it's a cookie, so it's fine. It's not actual torture. And then you're like, right. no, but actually, he is a cookie. Therefore, it is torture.
1: Right. Well, and that like, I mean, he's a living, topic, talking entity and like feels the things that are being done. And so like when Farquaad has his broken legs and is like playing with them in front of Jinji, I was like, oh, fuck. That is That's true some dark, morbid humor, but good. And it's just, again, those layers. I guess this is also gesturing towards what we talked about in our episode, Laughing At, Laughing With the Medieval. I mean, this whole film, I feel, is playing with those ideas. I think laughing at much more, but like the fart humor... And the scatological humor in this film is actually incredibly Chaucerian, which is not something you immediately think of, but then that would be more of a laughing with rather than a laughing at. Like, for example, I came across this article by Kathleen Coyne Kennedy called The Medieval Entertainment Channel, The Shrek Quartet. And I'm just going to read her a little blurb, um, like a paragraph. But she says, For the past several years, Whenever I teach Chaucer's Wife of Bath's Tale, circa 1385, students say, It's like Shrek! At a cultural moment in which everything is available everywhere at once, what we formerly thought of as a unidirectional, that is chronological, so progressing through time, arrow of influence and illusion has morphed into a matrix of multiplying and constantly reorganizing relations and affinities. By day, beautiful, human, and white, and by night, ugly, ogre, and green is a loathly lady analog that people encounter in the realm of pop culture before meeting, if ever meeting, her medieval sisters. Fiona and the loathly lady live in what Mikhail Bakhtin calls great time, in which cultural productions break through the boundaries of their historical moment, and I would add, swirl around in a kaleidoscope of new, never-to-be-repeated patterns. I just found that really interesting, and especially because of what I'm wanting to do with my PhD.
0: Which, by the way, we forgot to announce.
1: Oh, yes. You got in. Woo! I got in to both the big programs, but I decided to accept my offer to study at the University of Manchester, where I will be studying with medievalists Anka Bernal as my primary supervisor and fucking David Matthews as my secondary. You who... have to tell us if he's scary. Yeah, I mean, Bob, when I let him know the email, said that he's known both of them for a long time, that they're both, like, wonderful and lovely. And Bob is love. Bob is life. <laughs> like,
0: he truly is.
1: So I, truly te- is. I take his word for it. But, I mean, David Matthews is, like, the scholar of medievalism. So very excited. But I'm kind of doing a similar thing as with what Coyne uh, Kennedy's talking about in regards to Final Girls and horror gothic and martyred saints specifically the virgin martyrs so it's just it was nice to see that overlap but also going back to shrek just showing how actually or arguably medieval it is
0: Mm, not just
1: aesthetically but tonally as well
0: Yeah, I also thought it was kind of interesting as well how like if you take, you know, the moment where he first gets invaded by all the... um, Yeah, all the fairy tale creatures. All the fairy tales. And I was like, this is so interesting because obviously most of these fairy tales were written down in like the 15th, 16th century. Mm -hmm. But they're always, we always associate them with the medieval. And then like this is like taking it and kind of making it even more atemporal. Right especially because then they throw in these
1: very modern or contemporary to our time elements. Um, Like when the three little pigs at the end are like (laughs) breakdancing. But singing smash mouth or even just like Duloc itself, which is both a totalitarian state and its monolithic structure, but also a total jab at Disneyland with a parking lot. Which I was telling Ello before we recorded, it's such a small detail, but I sincerely chuckled because it's such a smart detail. When Shrek and Donkey are walking to Duloc and they're walking through the parking lot to get to the um, entrance, uh, on one of the signs, you know, it says like, you're in lot A or you're in lot B. Instead of that, it says, you're in Lancelot. And I just (laughs) found that so. That pleased
0: me so much. I didn't even realize. I kind it's, of wish I had. You can go back and that. <laughs> now that I'm unemployed, yeah. I can do all of these things.
1: The dead time. But, uh, <laughs> then they go in and they play the you know Welcome to Duloc song, which is in the same register, same beats per minute tone and everything of It's a Small World at Disneyland, the infamous ride, where they're like, Duloc is, Duloc is, Duloc is a perfect
0: place. You know, they have the
1: funny scene where they're like little marionette puppets are like, something, something, wash your hands, wash your face. But all their butts are facing. (laughs) It's like, they were gonna say something else that adults get and children just laugh at.
0: It is so interesting, right, with like with cartoon films or like films that are mainly for children, how many dirty digs there are and how like often the humor is meant to appeal to grown-ups as well. Yeah. And
1: when Shrek first came out, that was something especially in this film, more so than any of the Disney films or previous Pixar films, was how much they got away with in this film and how smart they were with this adult humor. Because apparently in the writing process, the two like producers didn't agree on the level. One wanted to be much more child friendly, if you will, and the other was like, "No, throw in the adult stuff." Because like parents have to go see the movies with the kids in the theaters, so yeah.
0: you don't. You have to veil it um, enough so that children don't understand that it's something that you know is bad, right? And I think Shrek is so genius
1: at how it does this tiptoeing. And then also just is it's such a cultural pop culture, like vessel, so many gestures, not just to Disney, but to other films, music, lifestyles. So one of them is um, after is a reference to the Godfather. So when Shrek and Donkey defeat the Knights at the tournament, you know, and Shrek turns to the crowd, he says, try the veal this is a line as part of a line spoken by Salozzo to Captain McCluskey when they meet with Michael Corleone in The Godfather* in 1972. Mm, right. Both of these lines are spoken before major uh, character uh, life-changing moments, which I just thought was kind of thought-provoking. I don't know if that was necessarily intentional. I feel like it has to be. But I mean, one would never think that like the Shrek and Godfather share something
0: like that. Yeah, it's true. I wouldn't have really associated the two
1: no i wouldn't have either this is again thank you to imdb trivia (laughs) for those uh what would you call like a major shrek fan like a shrek hard a shrekian
0: like a trekkie right a shrekie
1: yeah let's call them shrekies Yeah. I feel like it's kind of similar types of people. (laughs) No, I mean they love what they love and that is wonderful. I mean, I in my Googling I went to the um like Wiki Shrek page, you know, where people Mm -hmm. fan base everything and was looking into like the Shrek universe. And it's quite funny because, you know, it says like it largely imitates fairy tale fantasy settings with medieval technology and socially combined. Or, and society combined with magical elements. It is populated by humans and fantastical creatures. And it goes into the politics. And it's like politically, it has systems similar to those of the Middle Ages, with the two known countries being monarchies far, far away, a kingdom, and Duloc, a lordship. Some places, like the swamp and Merlin's house, seem to be separated from legislatures. And it's just like so great because it's like written so professionally.
0: It's true. It's so interesting because like behind every film you have like super, I was just thinking, you know, even like the lawyers who have, who were there like looking at watching Shrek and trying to see if what they've done was okay and wouldn't get them into trouble. It's so interesting to see that within something so funny and so like young, you'd have like such seriousness behind it.
1: No, exactly. And I also find the Disney, you know, the lawyers needing to be around because of the Disney jabs quite, like, interesting, because fairy tales are not owned by Disney. But I guess it was, like, the way that they uh, satirize the Disney interpretations of those. Because, like, Snow White is not Disney's. It's, no. Disney had a certain interpretation of it. And so, of course, in Shrek, like, when Snow White is in the glass coffin, I guess, that, like, looks very, very similar to the Disney Snow White. Or at the end when Fiona transforms into her true love's true self and, you know, she becomes the the ogre I mean beauty and the beast when a beast turns into the man, like hundred percent with the way that the light's like shooting out of her body. But aside from those, I mean, Pinocchio is not Disney's and the Pinocchio in this does not look like Pinocchio in Disney.
0: No, it's true. So
1: I just, I found that, I guess it's like, what is the line between satire and I don't know what would it would be, like plagiarism or something? Yeah. Or libel? I mean, that, they're not speaking bad of it. So I found that just like a very curious um, thing. So what's your favorite scene in the movie?
0: Hello. Do you have one? Uh, huh. Putting you on the
1: spot. Sorry.
0: I think the one at the beginning where he's all by himself, Shrek, and he takes some wax out of his ears.
1: <laughs> to make a candle.
0: Yeah, I was just like, you know, kind of disgusting they kind of relate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought that was quite cool. I also thought it was very interesting how they managed to, you know, like have a story that's children appropriate of like, oh, this guy's by himself because he's ex- excluded and no one likes him. But the truth is he is a very likable guy. I thought, I thought that was quite cute as a general story.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, especially because it gets actually across a really important message of, like, you know, beauties on the inside. Yeah, but exactly. I find that this actually does do a great job, especially in the end with Fiona turning into an ogre. And, you know, she's like, I want to be beautiful. And, you know, when Shrek overhears her talking to Donkey and he thinks that she's talking about him, but she's actually talking about herself and how she's um, relaying these like projections of society of like, you have to be a pretty, yeah. princess. And in the end, she's a very kind of like thick, curvy, like green ogre, yeah. you know? And she's like, aren't I ugly? And Shrek says, no, you're beautiful. And it's just, so like, so cute. heartwarming and cute. And, like, it's such a valuable message.
0: It's true. And also, like, you know, especially as a child goes into adolescence and puberty and all of that, mm-hmm. you know, things that I'm very glad I no longer have to repeat, um, it's kind of an important message where you kind of feel out of control and, like, you can't control your appearance or, you know, your growth spurts or, like, you know, you look, your voice goes funny or, or you – grow disproportionately and that kind of thing. And so it's kind of important that this kind of thing, keep that in mind, you know? Oh, definitely.
1: Sweet. I know. I agree. And I don't think I really valued that message until this watch, which is quite sad because it's literally been two decades since this movie came out. And I've watched oh, it all so times. I know, me too. Me too. But <laughs> I just found that like a really beautiful message regardless to if you actually process it or not I mean I think you register it on some level
0: yeah I mean it's the same spiel that you know parents tell you all the time
1: <laughs> right and I mean yeah take it with a grain of salt I guess but I think that 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 beauty if you will of the message is why this film
0: it's has been relevant yeah
1: such a an icon like why people love it so much
0: yeah and so on this little note if any of you who are listening want to come on the show and speak about your favorite film please you know let us know yeah let's make it medieval
1: and (laughs) also a quick shout out to my friend Ailish who actually mentioned Shrek being Shosarian. she's a very uh she's a Shrekie whenever anything Shrek comes up we message each other so thank you Eilish for mentioning that this was before I found the article and thought to even think of looking along those lines You are thank you. Yes, (laughs) I bet there's a lot more to talk about regarding Shrek However, we have we may want to do a Shrek 2 Conversation because that is arguably one of the best sequels of all time like out of any animated or live-action films
0: I've I've forgotten what that one's about, so I'll take your word for it and agree with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it has a lot of other uh, medieval elements. So Shrek, the original one, is much more of a medieval quest Mm. with the knight, even though Shrek's imperfect. He's not the medieval ideal of a perfect knight, but it's kind of along the lines of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight or something quest-based, rescuing the girl from the tower. You know, and then of course it plays with those ideas and tropes. Whereas Shrek Two, I can't recall the other two, three, and four. I know they have babies at some point, but that one is much more of like a romantic. Um, yeah. So that'll be fun to talk about at a later date, maybe episode twenty. You know, keep it on the tens with wow. Shrek.
0: I don't know, Elo, if you want to tell if you have any final thoughts. No, actually, I don't. I'm much very very much thoughtless.
1: all right. <laughs> We're still recovering post DIS.
0: Um, so, but it's been really lovely to do this again. And I yeah, hope you guys enjoy this. Getting back on it. Yeah, apologies if
1: we're a little rusty, but our brains are functioning 10. crazy levels. Yeah. <laughs> so um Hello. why don't you tell our audience where they can find us?
0: So you can find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts by typing Modern Medieval Podcast. Um, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram by typing podcast.modern.medieval. You can find us on Facebook as we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group by typing Modern Medieval, the podcast. Um, you can find us on email um by typing modern.medieval.podcast at gmail.com and the final one which you know we all know that i'm no good at this so i'm gonna, just gonna pass this on
1: <laughs> yes so twitter you can find us our handle is at medieval underscore modern we try. To, we post all the you know updates about episodes there as well as little tidbits we also have officially gone up on amazon music the podcast oh yeah it's true processed and approved so you can also find us there i think we were supposed to cross over to audible but i'm not 100 percent sure is that an amazon program and then yeah everywhere else that elo mentioned please send us your thoughts comments means questions corrections anything anything everything we are especially now that we are out of the dissertation zone we have nothing but time on our hands
0: yeah we've got also more mental energy to dedicate to this Yes,
1: definitely Until next time, I'm Megan.
0: And I'm Ella. And this is Modern Medieval, the podcast. (laughs)